Hello, this is Len Tengis welcoming you to the iPodcast AGCMO Weekly Podcast. In each episode, we'll feature information about a contractor, specialty contractor, supplier, contracting agency, owner, or legislative or regulatory issue pertinent to the construction industry in Missouri. We'll feature industry professionals and other construction industry representatives to help our listeners stay up to date with current and future trends in construction. So here we go. Welcome back to iPodcast AGCMO. Today's guest is Michael Kennedy Jr. Michael is the CEO of KAI Enterprises. So Michael, (laughs) welcome. Thank you, Lynn. Well, Michael, you and your dad have a great history in the construction industry. I saw a thing you did on Camel X a couple of months ago. So tell me sort of how you got into the industry and how your family ended up in this crazy world. Well, uh, we ended up in this crazy world because my dad didn't really know what he wanted to do. And uh, it took <laughs> As him a, a lot of us are. Took, a, took him a little longer in, in uh, life to get to that destination. By the time he got his architectural degree, at WashU and and worked through several different jobs. He he got bit by the bug to go out and do it entrepreneurially, and he uh, actually started a firm with three partners called Earth Associates, and uh, that was that was an unsuccessful partnership, and and that ended up going under in the 70s. And he says, you know what? I think I'm going to go out and do it on my own. And and he was going down the developer path. Mm-hmm. And um, he worked with some guys, uh, a developing group that used to work all up and down um, Del Mar called Pantheon Corporation. Mm-hmm. Leon Strauss. Leon Strauss. So my dad was uh, doing a lot of architecture with him. And he was the architectural partner of the development team. And then obviously through the 80s, you guys uh, see how the, we had a real the first big real estate crisis. And he said, well, I think I'm going to go into government contracting. So that's when he started going into just pure selling architectural services. Uh, Added engineering in the early 90s when the airport expansion was going on. And and, um, actually, the firm we were partnered with, HOK, said, you know, why don't you guys add engineering? That'd be a good idea. And uh, my dad's like, well, how's that going to work? And and by the time it was all said and done, we ended up starting an a engineering group in the early 90s. Um, then my dad kept saying, hey, I'm hearing a lot about design build. Uh, that's the way things originally started with Michelangelo as a master builder and Very going true. through his architectural history. And he's saying, I think the industry and all the fighting that we go through and the finger pointing, um, I think that's the future and we need to get into design build. And so in 97, he, he tried to learn how to become a contractor. And that's been a long road to where we are today. I'll say, because it's a long <laughs> way from Earthworks, isn't it? Yes, it's yeah. a long way from Earthworks. <laughs> and then you obviously had that experience when with your dad running a business, but you haven't been in this business from day one. You've gone on and pursued other careers also and had sort of came to the business after some other outside experience. Yeah, well, I started, uh, I was, I've always been a little bit entrepreneurial, uh, had a landscaping company in, in high school uh, with one of my friends and, and cut commercial properties and individual lawns and all of those things growing up. Then I had an internship with Inroads and worked in banking uh, with GE Capital and um, did a lot of small business loans, worked with their construction, construction equipment finance group 
and used to make calls for the sales guys, which was funny. I sort of realized my name had a little access mm-hmm. when uh, I could call construction companies and say, hey, I'm Michael Kennedy. And I said, can I talk to the, and I get right past the gatekeeper and I'd ask him, hey, do you need a construction loan? They're like, wait, who's your dad? Is your dad Mike Kennedy? I was like, yeah, it's the same Which Mike Michael guy. Kennedy am I talking to here? So when the GE guys figured that out, man, they had me working the phones that whole summer so hard. I was like, oh, man, that was not a, not a good idea. So after that, uh, we, I, I was coming up to graduation, and GE wanted to move me to sh- Chicago. And I said, um, you know, Dad, I've learned a lot here. I learned a lot about Six Sigma and banking and, and business, and I went to business school, and I think I can, I think I can help you. And he says, you think you can help me? I don't know if you're going to, what are you going to do to help me? And I said, well, Dad, I, I think I can help you. So came in and, and started in, in business development in the year 2000. And uh, 19 years later, you know, here we are. So Well, 19 years later, after all the changes and things that you've been through, you've got a long way ahead of you. Yes. What sort of challenges do you see for KAI Enterprises and all the different elements that you have in place now, what sort of challenges are ahead for you? Well, my, my immediate challenges right now are, are people, finding the right people to fulfill the opportunities that, that we have. Is and that at any particular level, at every level? Or? It's, it's, it's a, uh, from a KI standpoint, it's engineering, architecturally, you know, salespeople. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it, doesn't, it doesn't quite matter, market leaders. So you're, everyone's in very high demand right now, and there's a war for talent, and we're doing all we can there. That's what really drove uh, two of our acquisitions. So we, we were having a lot of trouble hiring and at the speed we needed to and finding the quality that we needed. So that's why we acquired uh, Dorsey Engineers in Atlanta and made the acquisition of Fratto Engineering in Arlington, Texas. And so those two offices, we weren't really buying we were buying for needing the depth of personnel, but we also said, well, this could fortify and help strengthen our other geographic locations. So as we're trying to build those offices to become what this office is, uh, offering all of the services, uh, the workload in those offices also got large enough that it, that it could support uh, local engineering teams uh, to support our architectural groups. So you're working in all those cities, any other cities you're working in? So we have offices in uh, St. Louis, uh, San Antonio, Dallas, Arlington, Omaha, Atlanta, and Memphis. That's quite a group yeah. of places to keep an eye on. It is. And, and the only places that we're doing at-risk construction up to this point for KI general contracting has been typically from St. Louis in a 150 to 200-mile radius where we can keep our eyes on it. But we do have clients that we travel with. We, we do, we've done work and do work for uh, Dell and Enterprise, and we've gone all the way for, to Oklahoma and Omaha and, and done some quick jobs. And we're looking at you know Dallas and Atlanta as well right now to bring our GC group down there in our strategic plan. So how do you juggle all those different market dynamics in those different markets? I mean, this is such a relationship <coughs> type of a business, plus you've got different building regulations, different subcontractor communities, different general contractor communities, a lot of variables when you get into that. So how do you go about managing that? You hit the nail on the head on why we're focusing our GC group here locally and and haven't really gone into those markets full bore because it's still, again, it's all about the people. And 
in those markets, it's, e- it's easier to do the design and sell professional services nationally. I mean, I can go anywhere a client goes and design a building and learn the codes or partner with local uh, firms that, that understand and get code analysis. And then we, we give them what they, what they need. And that's why we can design anywhere. And those offices have been typically selling professional services. On the build side, what's holding us back from just diving in those markets is those market leaders that you would need. And is do we grow go into those locations through acquisition like we did on the engineering side or so we're 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 looking at all those things, but in the next twenty four months we do plan on being uh, in the Texas and Atlanta market on a GC side. That's really your direction. I'm I'm yes. sure those markets are growing at a faster pace than they are here in St. Louis. Yes, they they yes they are, and they go they grow faster and they shrink slower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but St. Louis sort of stays steady. And I think St. Louis is, uh, I think a lot of the people, um, I know a lot of the people I've been talking to in AGC and, and other subcontractors are really shocked at the how long St. Louis has sustained the level of construction that's been going on here. And um, the runway still looks a little long. Uh, I am hearing that that some banks and other folks are looking at some of the housing markets and things and thinking we're a little saturated so I'm doing my own internal economic forecasting, but those other coastal markets and in, in, in international cities seem to uh, shoot up a lot faster. And when they crash, they crash harder too. Um, but we have a different type of niche that allows us to, um, you know, stay involved when things are slow or or fast. Now you this year are serving as the vice chairman of our building division for AGC in Missouri. Why did you choose to do that? You're a busy guy. You've got a lot on your plate, and I guess I'm thankful, but at the same time, I'd like to know why you take some of your time and utilize it in that way. Well, uh, one is, you know, having an opportunity to sit at the table and understand all of the different things and how the winds of change are are coming in our industry and and getting a pulse from all of those different uh, leaders in my peer group helps us make a lot of strategic decisions. The other thing is is being able to um, have a voice for for some of the uh, African-American trade owners. And then also, you know, we have an opportunity to uh, uh, give back, which is a core value. You got to give back to the, to the agencies and groups and, and, and community organizations that help us. And AGC has been a great help to our company. And as we expand into these other markets, I know I'm probably going to be leaning very heavily on AGC to understand the subcontractor bases in those markets, you know, who the good uh, firms are for us to partner with and uh, understand those contractors that if they're part of AGC, I sort of have an understanding of how they work as well because we have that experience here. Now, when you're talking about having a voice at the table, what does that mean to you? Well, what it means to me is I think, um, you know, different perspectives always uh, garner greater outcomes because you're getting a lot of different information from everyone's viewpoint to to see the whole 360 degrees around the issue. And uh, if everybody's from the same place, background, or understanding, then then sometimes it could lead us down the wrong way. And it's just br- bringing awareness to what some other folks might be thinking. I remember one of the best dinners I've had was sitting across the table from you and Chip Jones, who's our chairman of the board from Emory SAMP, and the discussion you all were having from your various viewpoints was 
you were coming at the issue from two different sides, but you were professional, you were thoughtful. It was super enlightening and engaging for me. So I'm thinking those are the kind of things you're talking That's about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And if those, if, if everyone doesn't know Chip, he's an awesome guy and he's very knowledgeable and everything he said was great valid points. And I didn't have an answer for all of them. But that was a good that was a good dialogue about yeah. the challenges that we face in our industry related to inclusion and participation and having everyone have an opportunity at the table and everybody have a voice. That's right. So it's it's a challenge we face, and I know it's great that AGC of Missouri won the Chapter Diversity Award this last year, but there's still a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do, but I think the uh, the, the way you you and, and, and Steve are going about it, and Steve, 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 and Lynn, <laughs> is uh, – is it's been a great example nationally for all the other chapters and I, I think that what what we've accomplished as far as you know having a voice at the table for for policy at the city level and and pointing out how certain rules will will work and can work better for our members so one of the things that really comes up is the technical aspects of our business that a lot of politicians might not understand and it's not a uh, race issue, it's a technical issue. And I know there was some small language that we're asking for extra 24 hours to review a bid before we with lock the in the subs of St. Louis. with the city of St. Louis. And it's not a, this isn't an issue of, hey, we're trying to you know switch people or anything or not include someone. It's, we have to shake these bids out uh, or you're, you got a tremendous amount of liability and, and what the city would possibly hurt themselves by is not getting people to bid on their work and that's not a race issue that's a business it's issue. a business issue and so sometimes you need you know some some uh people to go down and just educate on the rules that they're writing and how it impacts business but still understand and help them keep the intent of what they're trying to do and i could go down there and talk all day but hearing it from somebody like yourself who's actually walked a mile in those shoes and experienced right. it makes a huge difference. Right, and there's other folks like uh, Brian Murphy and Cole Ottawale and, and other AGC members that have been very helpful in uh, translating those messages. You think they're listening? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michael, as we wrap up, let me just talk about the last sort of thing that we passed out at our most recent meeting, which was our new membership brochure. And it talks about, I advocate through AGC, I'm safer through AGC, I network through AGC, all those sort of things. Do you really see that as a member? Is that something that resonates with you? I'll tell you, uh, as we really wanted to be the best contractor we could be, we knew we had to be a part of, part of the AGC. Because as I stated, we've only been doing at-risk work for about 20, 22 years now. Uh, going on our 23rd year, and in the resources that AGC could provide a mid-size to a smaller contractor all the way up to the largest contractor in St. Louis is is amazing. So uh, one thing that we recently just changed was our 401k. That's right. And we just uh, rolled into the AGC, and I, I asked my CFO, I said, you look at this objectively, yes, I'm a member, yes, I'm on a board, but I, we need to make a good business decision. And he came back to me and said, we have to do this. And I said, well, why is that? And, you know, I didn't even know this, but every year we had to pay an audit to a accounting firm 
to audit our 401k. And I'm like, well, what are they auditing? All the transactions are being done by somebody else. They said, well, you only have a certain number of employees in it. So the government makes you uh, audit it. But if you go into this group plan, you know, you don't have to pay that anymore. And I'm like, well, what does it cost? And he goes, it takes us six weeks of our time, maybe 10 or 15 hours a week of my staff. Then I have to pay the accounting firm another fifteen dollars to $20,000 to audit it every year. And I was like, holy smokes, just that alone, freeing up my accounting staff, saving those dollars is one thing. Then you talk about the safety program. You talk about the, uh, uh, the leasing programs. You talk about the insurance programs. All of these things and, and working with the other AGC members or help with your diversity plans from, from Steve Lewis or any issues on, on that side. So for the amount of money that AGC charges, you, you, you can make back 10 times that in one year just utilizing the benefits of, of these programs. So when someone says, when I ask someone, why aren't you a member of the AGC, you know, it, it just baffles me because why aren't you? I mean, what are we talking about here? Some of the smaller guys, it might be a thousand or fifteen hundred bucks a year. It could right. be less than that. It right. Could, it could, if most, it might be five thousand. How are you not a member? It, it just blows me away. So now, when you have multiple companies like I do, it gets a little more expensive, but but it's worth every penny. Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the support you give to our industry by testifying on important issues, by serving on our board, and by giving back. So, Michael, as you continue to grow and continue to broaden your wings, good luck. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. It's easy to subscribe to iPodcast AGCMO in the iTunes Store or on Google Play. As always, you can visit us at agcmo.com. Dot .org for additional downloads and information. Thank you.